Scotty Sharp, what's on the menu today? Well, I think we should be celebrating that beautiful sunlight out there. I think we should. What are we going to do? Go outside and... Yeah, just grow like the plants. Grow like... (laughs) Why not? A little bit of moisture in the ground. It couldn't be better. I think it's going to do them very, very well. But look, today I thought we'd talk about some blue flowers if you want to turn your garden blue. I wonder why we're going blue today. Yes. (laughs) We might also talk about yellow flowers as well because wattles are starting to come out. And if you've got some deciduous trees to plant or move, we'll have a quick chat about them as well. But there is something to celebrate and maybe not the church bells ringing, but every bell, of fact, in town ringing after last night's... NRL game. Well, Jane, t- tell us the story about how you watched the NRL, the State of Origin last night. Oh God, you can't have a secret, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did watch it on slight delay, yes. How did you? I, you taped it and then watched it later on that night. Yes. Okay, so right. no one spoiled it for you? No one spoiled it for you us. You didn't hear the, sort of the cheers of, of the state ringing out? <laughs> From Newcastle, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. Managed to, managed to get home and, uh, and enjoyed it immensely. It's good doing it slightly on slight delay because you can whiz through any ads oh, there might of course, be yeah, yeah. and you can go over something if you want to see it again too yes that's true and any uh, refereeing delays as well you can probably just quickly fast forward through Indeed. those and go what happened there and then you say yeah i need to know so you go back and find <laughs> out however um that brings us of course to blue flowers well and what a time to go and plant some blue uh, flowers in your garden there's a wonderful variety available, well, there actually there. are, yes. Uh, you, I'm surprised that you think blue's probably not going to be a, a colour that's out there too much, but uh, it certainly is. Uh, look, the old uh, faithful is, of course, agapanthus, uh, really tough plant. Lots of people have got those around, and they're great as, as a border plant. Uh, they'll survive in, you know, really... Uh, uh, you know, drought-tolerant conditions. So, yeah, a, uh, a you know, nice border of agapanthus, especially if you've got a Queenslander living next door. That's what I'd be putting in, uh, you know, along the fence uh, or along the front of the house. Very nice plant to have and very easy to look after. You can also get some flowering onions as well, uh, which uh, have nice uh, blue sort of pom-pom flowers that come up uh, out of them. Uh, of course, onions are really tough plants. They won't, uh, you know, form an onion in under the ground for you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you'll get a nice... Decorative onions. Yeah, they're a decorative yeah. onion, yes, yeah. Uh, cornflowers, of course. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, that's a, another old favourite. Uh, so cornflowers, really very vibrant blue. Uh, another bit of a pest of a plant, well, that's what I think it is anyway, is uh, plumbago. You can get a very vibrant blue in plumbago, but if you let it go out of control, uh, you know, sort of heaven help you trying to get that plumbago back out of the ground again. It'll be a ba- as bad as Maroons on a field last night. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, forget-me-nots as well. They're another beautiful, easy-to-look-after uh, blue-flowered plant. They only stay quite short, but easy to sow. Uh, they'll last about two years, and so they're biennial, and that's when they'll sort of give up the ghost after that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they're one of those plants that go for a couple of years. There's also lobelias as well, which are beautiful blue plants. Uh, you can get those in whites and, and purples as well, but you get the nice vibrant blues. And, of course, I guess finally delphiniums. Uh, you know, you get that stalk of a flower, uh, probably about, I don't know, 20 to 30 centimetres tall. Again, a very vibrant blue flower to have uh, if you're uh, a supporter of New South Wales. And of course you would be. And how many of these would flower at this moment? Uh, not many of them. Okay, they're going to be a little bit later on. <laughs> yeah, most of those, unfortunately, are summer flowers. So, uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things you'd be planting, you know, now uh, to remind those, uh, you know, neighbours from Queensland that uh, in summer, 
uh, just how good New South Wales are. Ah, so it keeps the celebrations going for so much longer. Well, I think it keeps on rubbing it in is what it does, but we won't go down that path. We're not vindictive here <laughs> against our northern neighbours. <laughs> yes, no, it's all, all totally in good fun, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Here's a quote. In spring, the most delicate, feathery, yellow of plumes and plumes and plumes and trees and bushes of wattle, as if angels had flown right down out of the softest gold regions of heaven to settle here in the Australian bush. That's why he was an author. <laughs> he certainly knew what he was writing about. Too. Imagine me trying to write that. It just wouldn't come out quite the same. You could try. I could try. So we thought, I thought we'd have a quick talk about wattles because they're, they're starting to flower already. They are. Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, uh, we were just talking in the break. James, we were talking about the uh, about wattle day and it's actually not till September. But, uh, you Although know... it used to be in August. It used to be in August. And I can understand that because they're here in Newcastle, that's when they're largely out in flower because they are more or less a winter flowering plant here in Newcastle. So... Uh, you know, September. By the time we get to Wattle Day proper in September, the wattles here in Newcastle have pretty much, you know, they've ha- they've done their dash and they've finished flowering. But it's really such a, a versatile plant, the wattle, and and a really great native if you need something uh, quick growing uh, to uh, you know shield the neighbours. Uh, and you know, uh, the other the thing about wattles is that you can put that plant in there, you know, sort of not get rid of the neighbours for a little while, but then they're quite easy to get out. They're very quick growing. Uh, they have a lifespan, only generally about seven to eight years because they grow so quickly. Uh, and they'll grow in quite a wide variety of conditions. Uh, in fact, uh, acacias or wattles will actually grow pretty much across the entire Southern Hemisphere. You know, they're from South America, Australia, uh, you know, up and through the tropics in New Guinea, uh, Indonesia, uh, across through uh, India, um, and then across into Africa and, and all and through that continent. So, uh, you know, a very, very versatile plant is and the acacia. Another Gondwana land. Yes, I, I guess so. Yes, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Wichley grubs like them, don't they? They do a little bit. They don't grow in New Zealand. Ah. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit too cold over there. or Could be that, or yeah, wet. Yeah, it could be a little, <laughs> bit too, little bit too wet for them. They've got that beautiful silvery foliage about them. You know, they, they when they start out, they have like these funny little um, almost leaflets. And then as those leaves mature, they actually become bigger solid leaves. So that's really quite an attractive uh, feature of the of the wattle. Uh, of course, they've been used by uh, Aboriginal people to make boomerangs. Uh, they also use them for medicines. Uh, so uh, look, wattle, a very versatile and uh, great little tree to have in your garden easy to get rid of if you don't like it after a while as well excellent well uh, a different topic now has been raised by kate from lambton uh, who rang in on 4921616 kate your questions about hydrangeas and azaleas hi kate how can we help you um what do i need to be doing at the moment with azaleas and hydrangea yeah, so your hydrangeas have, have most probably lost their leaves by now. They're probably looking quite uh, quite horrid at the moment. Uh, so if you want to, you can start pruning them back. Okay. Uh, now with hydrangeas, uh, you have to prune back to the double bud. So as you go down the, the stem of the plant, you'll notice sometimes there's just a single green bud coming out and sometimes there's a double bud uh, coming out. And you always prune back to the double bud because that's where you'll get the flower coming out from. 
if you just prune back to a single bud you probably won't get that stem to flower uh, come November, December. So uh, really important that you go back to the double bud. Uh, look, fertilizing at the moment, probably not too important. I would wait till mid-August before I fertilized uh, the hydrangea because it's just going to go into the soil at the moment and not be absorbed up because it's, you know, it's not uh, using any uh, energy at the moment that the hydrangea is just sitting there being dormant. Uh, look, now the thing with hydrangeas, of course, is that you can change the color of them if you want to. You can make them pink or you can make them blue. Whites always stay white, so you'll never be able to change that. And to make the uh, hydrangea blue, you slightly acidify the soil. And to make it pink, you uh, make it slightly alkaline. Uh, now to do that, uh, you can add lime to make it alkaline or some sulfur powder to acidify the soil. Uh, the other way to do it is to add some uh, either poultry manure to make it... Um, uh, alkaline or some cow manure to make it slightly acidic but those manures probably are, are fairly neutral uh, in this day and age uh, you'd be needing to uh, use some sort of uh, uh, like I said some lime or some sulfur to change change them around with your azaleas though uh, look uh, not too much to do to them at the moment uh, you could probably give them a, a very light prune back if you wanted to but again I would be waiting until August now before I went and pruned uh, an azalea at this time Okay, the thing with the azaleas that I have, well, two that are side by side, mm. um, they've got this sort of um, pale thing on their leaves. Um, I was wondering, is copper oxychloride the go for them? Uh, look, when you say pale thing on their leaves, uh, azaleas are very prone to getting red spider, and that comes out as a, as a silvery uh, sort of sheen over the, over the leaf of the plant. Uh, That's yeah, okay, so um, copper oxychloride is not going to have any effect whatsoever on that. Uh, it's a fungicide, and uh, for red spider, you actually need some sort of miticide like uh, eco oil to try and keep that under control. Um, pardon me. If you have got some sort of uh, mildew uh, on, the, uh, on the azalea, you could use the copper oxychloride. Look, that said, if you have got some, uh, giving it a spray at the moment in, this, in, this, in these damp conditions with copper oxychloride or some sort of fungicide, isn't going to harm the plant so if you do want to give it a spray with that fungicide feel free to do that but it uh, it certainly won't get rid of uh, uh, red spider mite on an azalea okay um is is copper oxychloride um, can you use it on just about anything else absolutely um look i'd, I'd say you could use it on your breakfast cereal but i don't think you actually can do that but look it, it is a, a safe chemical to use um you know it's a naturally occurring element uh, okay. you know, it's not a you know sort of a man-made um, you know uh, chemical you know a concoction of things. So look, it is quite safe to uh, to use on your plants, not on okay. your breakfast cereal. <laughs> no, no, I've got enough on my breakfast. Okay. <laughs> we have Peter who's rung in from Coal Point, and you've got a lemon tree that's giving you some concern. Have you? I have. Um, afternoon, Scott. Go on, mate. Yeah, go, go on. Go on. Tell us about your lemon tree. Um, it's, um, it's about six foot tall and it's got a base of about four inches, but I'm starting to get leaves that are uh, curling up and they look like they've got um, uh, sort of a wart on them. Oh, okay. Uh, look, that, that sounds like you've got some sort of mite in there. So just like a little bump in there, like something's been sucking the, the sap out of that leaf? or. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I've, I've squashed a couple of the bubbles, but there doesn't seem to be anything in there. Okay, so it, do, it does sound like like sting damage uh, from something landing on there and, uh, you know, trying to suck the sap out of that leaf. Right. Uh, mate, the best thing and the safest thing to use on uh, your lemon tree in that case would be to go and grab some uh, product called Eco Oil. 
Yep. Uh, now, the other great thing about eco oil, I'll get to in a moment, but uh, you spray that on and it forms a protective coating, coating over the uh, over the leaf of the plant and should stop anything coming in there and doing that damage. Unfortunately, anything that has been damaged by uh, you know that insect. Uh, you know, sort of won't repair itself. So really, you're just trying to protect the new foliage in any existing foliage that hasn't been damaged uh, at this time. And look, now the other great thing about eco oil is, come February, we get citrus leaf miner like an absolute demon here in Newcastle. It, it loves the uh, loves the humidity. And uh, citrus leaf miners, when you get those funny little tracks going down through the leaves of the plant, then they start to curl up. So having that eco oil on hand in February is a really good thing to do have because uh, you can just uh, spray it as a preventative every week during February and uh, when that new growth is flushing on with your citrus plants and uh, hopefully keep uh, the citrus leaf miner under control. But certainly that's what I'd go and grab for your problem, some uh, eco oil. Uh, look, if, if you can't find any eco oil, uh, you could get some uh, pyrethrum spray or and uh, some white oil and mix that up as well. Right. And... Uh, and then spray that and use that as a preventative. But eco oil is probably the safest and best to use on your lemon tree. Well, I'd like to um, get a bit of a prune and cut back some of those um, those leaves or branches that got the bad leaves on them. Yes. Can I prune it now and go down to about four foot in height? Oh, look, mate, you certainly can. The only thing, the only uh, sort of uh, caveat I'd, I'd put on that for you is that uh, you know it's not going to grow very much now in the next uh, you know couple of months until we get to the middle of August. Uh, so if you prune now, you'll have a, a pretty bare sort of plant, uh, you know, for six or eight weeks. Uh, so sometimes it is best just to wait until uh, you know start of August or so, and then give a prune back, uh, and that's you know you'll get a, a quicker regrowth of the plant at that time. Now, one other question, yes, azaleas. I've got a, uh, a copper sort of colour on the leaves. Um, I gave it a hit. Well, I gave them a hit with Confidor, mm -hmm. and I got new shoots of green leaves. But now they've got the the copper colour on them as well. Okay, it sounds like you've either got uh, you know like azalea uh, lace bug on there, or you've got red spider mite. Uh, unfortunately, you just have to keep on using the Confidor uh, to try and keep those little critters under control. Uh, that's when you usually get that silvering of the, of the azalea leaf, or if you turn it over, you'll see sort of brown, um, you know, sort of little, they're actually little um, azalea lace bug poos. Um, and you'll also see that, that coppery colour as well. So uh, just keep on using the Confidor to try and keep that under control, mate. Of course, if there's bees around, uh, you know, try not to spray at that time. Yeah. All right. Okay, mate. Okay. Thanks, okay. Scott. Not a problem, Peter. Have a nice afternoon, mate. And Steve has rung in from Barnsley, Scott, on 49216216, and you're wanting to prune <coughs> your roses, Steve. Hey, Steve, how can we help you, mate? Mate, um, pruning roses, yep. we're getting this really nice weather. Is is it too soon to prune uh, look for at, a winter prune? Look, it probably is just a, a, a touch too soon uh, at the moment. Uh, if you've got the option... Uh, you know, I, I would still wait, uh, you know, until at least um, sort of mid-July. Right. So you might be another, you know, three to four weeks before you prune. Uh, look, for instance, if you're going on holidays or something and you won't be here during that time, you could certainly do that now. But, uh, you know, the plants will be um, at most, at, you know, their most dormant level, um, you know, in mid-July. Uh, so I would wait until then uh, when you do it. Uh, what about a good poultry feed? Would that be a bit later? Well, look, usually you do that all at the one time. So you prune, you spray with um, 
pardon me, sorry, I've got this bad throat today, you uh, you give them a spray uh, to seal up the ends of the plant with the uh, with the, the sulfur spray and you also uh, feed with poultry manure as well at that time. And then usually in about, oh, right. yeah, in about two weeks after that, then you would give them, uh, you know, a handful of, you know, that sort of granular rose food that you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mate, look, if you have to do it now, certainly it's not going to, you know, be harmful to the plant. But uh, I would think, uh, you know, if you wait just a, Hang off a bit. Yeah, two or three more weeks and just do all of it in one hit. And when you give it the poultry manure, you'd be pretty generous. You give it about a, a third of a, a bag to each plant, which is about 10 litres. And, yeah, uh, to- last year um, they went really well. Yeah, and that's look, that's what I always recommend. Make sure you don't let that poultry manure sit up against the stem of the plant. Always, you know, no, no, move it no, back, no. otherwise you'll get cholera rot. And uh, you, Rose won't be very happy if that's happening. No, right, eh? Okay. Thanks, Scott. Not a worry, Steve. You have and a nice afternoon, mate. Thank you, Steve. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff happening to do in the garden at the moment, too. But you're thinking that, in fact, most of the winter might be over in a couple of weeks' time, which is when you do a lot of that <laughs> maintenance stuff. Well, look, I guess you know you can you can sort of put your feet up a little bit at the moment. I'd be out there raking up leaves, you know, your old dead frangipani leaves and deciduous leaves at the moment, especially if you've got a lawn. You don't want them resting. Uh, you know, on the top of that. But uh, certainly once you get into mid-July, that's when it's time to start ramping up your gardening again. Uh, you know, don't stay in front of the fire drinking port. Uh, get out there and uh, actually, fine. <laughs> and uh, start working on your garden. Now, 49216216 and Greg's rung in from Mount Hutton. Greg, we're moving to Dahlia's now. We are. How are you going, Scott? Yeah, good, good, Greg. How can we help you, mate? Good boat. Uh, I've got some dahlias uh, in the ground. Um, I don't particularly want to dig them back out again and replant them again. Mm-hmm. Can I leave them in the ground? If so, how far can I cut them back to, please? Uh, well, look, usually you just let them grow, you know, if they let them die right back uh, because that's actually feeding the tuber back in under the ground. Yes. Uh, and then once they've died back, I know they might be a little bit ugly for a while. That's when you just cut them back off, at, you know, at the soil level uh, and they'll come back up again for you next year. Right, so they're still fairly frizzled, so they're still feeding um, their tubers now, are they? Yeah, look, it, 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 only you can judge by seeing it. I guess once there's not much green left in the plant up above the ground, that's when it stopped being able to actually feed down in below. But certainly, you know, a lot of people get it, you know, the flowers come off and, and the flowers finish and then they decide, oh, it's time to, you know, give it a prune back. Well, that's the wrong thing to do uh, because while there's still green in the plant, it's actually feeding back into the tuber under the ground. Right, yeah? Yeah. That sounds good. Okay, man. Thanks a lot. All the very best with that. And Valerie has rung in from Gorokan, and uh, you've got spathophyllum. Yes. Uh, How are you, Valerie? How can we help you? Oh, I hope you can, please. Uh, We'll we'll always give it a crack. We'll always give it a crack (laughs) for you. It's a beautiful red one, and it flowers continuously. Yes. But uh, it stopped flowering uh, about three months ago. I had a, a strange cat come into the uh, into my veranda, knocked the pot over, and I've repotted it with uh, all good quality potting mix. And now every leaf, uh, it looks like the same sort of thing that uh, the azaleas are on the outside, but this... Whatever it is, it's a disease that goes right through the leaf. It deadens it. It becomes brown and crinkly on the back, and every leaf is the same. And as the new ones, I haven't had a flower on it mm-hmm. since this has happened. And um, ever since, uh, like the new ones that are coming up now, they are sort of getting this silvery 
uh, lace type thing. There aren't any, there's nothing on the back of the leaf. It just goes right through the leaf and kills the leaf off. Okay. Uh, Look, you said it's got a red flower, did you? Yes, it's yeah. like the red arum lily. Okay, so I think rather than a spathophyllum, you might have an anthurium there by the sound. Oh, well, of that's probably yes. It. <laughs> okay, okay, no, no. We'll we'll just get all our ducks in a row first, and then we'll we'll sort of uh, pick them off. Pick pick them off. I wasn't going to say that then, but because uh, we're not really into du- into duck, we're into a little duck shooting at the show. Perhaps that's about as far as we'd exactly go here. Right. Uh, so look, it, it sounds like yes, you have got some sort of disease on there, some sort of uh, you know pest going through there. Uh, look, as far as I getting... have white ones too, but they're oh, okay. okay. Yes, they're yeah, fine. Yeah, okay. And I think it's because they're of a different variety. But as far as getting a flower off those plants during winter, usually it's fairly uncommon because they're warm weather plants. So that's you know they're you know from the rainforest. So getting uh, you know a flower during the humid months is, is far more common. Uh, look, what I would do in your case though. I would uh, go to your local garden centre uh, and uh, just grab, uh, look, a product like um, uh, pyrethrum. You just want something nice and gentle on it uh, and just give it a spray with that uh, just to try and keep any pests and insects under control that might be, it might be uh, sucking the sap out of the leaf because that's what it sounds like it is. It's some sort of sap, um, uh, sap-sucking insect that the, is attacking your plant. Uh, I can't see anything. That's the whole thing. Okay, so it could be some sort of mite also. So today we've been talking about eco-oil, which is a really nice, safe miticide to use. And that might be the best way for you to get it. You can get it just in one of those like um, pump uh, little packs. So you could get that and uh, use that nice and easily. Uh, Give it a spray over the top. And then if you can, try and spray it in under any existing leaves as well. And also do it on any of the plants around that anthurium that you've got because mites are little windborne insects. You don't necessarily see them. They're very, very small. And they just land on a plant and they uh, they put their little uh, proboscis in there, have a bit of a drink, and uh, that damages the, the leaf in that area and it's also taking the sap out of the plant. So uh, I would go and grab some eco-oil and give your plants a spray with that. Do you think I should uh, cut the really bad uh, leaves off first? Oh, look, not necessarily. Uh, you know, they're still uh, feeding the plant at this point in time. So, you know, sort of denuding the plant too much, um, you know, can be harmful to it. I'd, I'd just give it a spray, try and get this problem under control first. And then once you've got some new growth coming on there, then tidy up some of those old leaves. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, not a problem, Val. You have a nice afternoon. June has rung in from Merriweather and you've got a question about a double-budded bush rose. Now, that sounds lovely. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. How, how can we help you with it, June? Well, the iceberg part is flourishing beautifully, mm-hmm. but I've only had the lily marlene come out one year. Oh, and I... I'm just wondering why the red part isn't flourishing. The white, it's flowering wonderfully. Well, I mean, what's really happened with yours, and I know exactly the plant you're talking about. So what they do is they get the, the rose stock and they put iceberg on one side and they put lily malane uh, on the other. So you get at Christmas, you get this white and red flowered jewel sort of flowering bush. And it really is quite attractive. But yes. I guess what we're talking about here, June, are two completely different plants. So even though they're on the same stock, they're actually, you know, there's one plant on one side and another plant on the other side. So they are going to perform differently for you, unfortunately. Uh, 
so look, I, I would just be generally, and I can only speak about this generally now because we are talking about sort of two separate things. Uh, I would just be, you know, feeding uh, as as you know, as much as possible. Probably every month, uh, you can use a, a product called Sudden Impact. Uh, which is a granular rose fertilizer. It really improves the flowering uh, of the plants. Uh, and uh, just after you've pruned it, as we were talking uh, before, to use some uh, poultry manure, a big bag, you know, uh, about a bucket of poultry manure around every plant. And, uh, and just, uh, yeah, a, a good prune, a prune again in, in February and some food there uh, at that time. And then just generally every other month uh, using that uh, sudden impact rose food. Uh, and hopefully you'll get uh, the icebergs performing as well as the uh, the uh, Lillium Lane performing as well as the icebergs. It is very difficult though because iceberg is such a great performing rose. Um, you know, it's sort of hard to live up to that. Lillium Lane is a great rose as well, but um, we are talking about two separate things on the one plant. It'd be nice to have them both out at once. It would, yeah. Christmas <laughs> would be beautiful with them, yeah. Gardening talk back. Rod from Spears Point, you've got a question about your cineraria. How can we help you, Rod? Yeah. How you going, Scott? Yeah, um, great, mate. Yeah, I've got uh, some cineraria plants in, and there's something eating the leaves on them. They've got li- all the leaves have got holes in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Look, cineraria is really susceptible to um, little little snails coming on there uh, and eating them. The snails just love it. You can also get uh, those little funny green uh, grubs. You know, the ones that sort of curl up as they walk along, and they'll yeah. they'll do the damage as well. Uh, so, look, you to get some snail bait with your cinerarias, make sure you're using that. Uh, yep. If you want to, you can use some pyrethrum spray uh, to spray them as well. And look, mate, the other thing with cinerarias, once it gets too uh, wet, uh, if you've got some uh, fungicide of some sort, to use that as a preventative at this time as well. Okay, mate, thanks okay. for that. But I'll definitely get that snail bait out there and use it. Mm, all the best. Snails do love their food, don't they? They certainly and do. And our last question for today comes from James from Mayfield West. And that wonderful pest in the garden, onion weed. James, has it infested your garden, mate? No, it hasn't, ah, Scott. Good, uh, good. No, I'm ringing up because every every couple of weeks somebody always rings you up and uh, has a problem with it. But what what I wanted to uh, just ask you is that I've got what they call a, a weeding uh, brush. Mm-hmm. It's put out by Yates. Yes, I remember the old weed. Yeah, they had the weed brush and they had the weed wand back in the day. That's exactly yeah. right, and uh, they used to have a little bit of rope on it. But yeah. I've still got one, and I don't know whether they're still available, but, you know, they're like a tube, and you just mix, mm-hmm. say, round up with, you know, diluted uh, poison or something, yep. fill the tube, and you just wander around here, dabbing it here, dabbing it there, you know, and, uh, um, you know, over the years, I... I I see a little bit of onion weed coming up now and then, and I just go along and give it a dab, and that's the end of it. And the and the beauty of it is that you get in between your shrubs like roses and one thing and another. Um, you know, I've heard the thing that where you've got to get down on your hands and knees <laughs> with a little paintbrush and and uh, you know and uh, wear rubber gloves and give it a bit of a uh, paint. Yeah. But, but these brushes, do you know if they are still available? Yeah, look, because yeah, the late, the Yates weeding brush is is still out there. It's it's available. It's not like I remember the weed wand, like I said, we had like a, almost a, a wick on the end of it. But the brush is out there, like you've been using, so you can still get that. 
Mm. Uh, so, so go uh, anywhere that sells Yates products should be able to help you out with that. And of course, like you said, there's the old trick of um, using the paintbrush or the uh, your, the cotton glove dipped in uh, dipped in zero. Always put a rubber glove on underneath that, and sunglasses or something on, so you don't stick it in your eye. But uh, look, they all work. You just have to be very careful because uh, whatever uh, Roundup or glyphosate touches, uh, it's going to kill. So be very careful about whichever method you use if you're uh, trying to get rid of onion weed. Good luck with that, James, and everyone else, of course, who might have onion weed, and that's Gardening Talk back for today. Thank you very much, Scott Sharp. Thank you very much, Jane. Back next Monday on 2NURFM.